Welcome to the Jacked on the Beanstalk podcast, hosted by the always smart-assed and brutally honest Shorky Sisters. Ripping the vegan hippie meatheads of the world is Sam, two-time winning fitness champion, certified personal trainer, the first ever vegan world naturals bikini pro, author of Jacked on the Beanstalk, plant-based fuel for vegan athletes, and has an ass that's out of this world. Along for the ride is Sarah, her sister, a stay-at-home mom who drives a minivan, makes a mean fudge brownie, and her ass is, well, mediocre. Together, they're on a mission to live with purpose and without regret, to unlock and share the mysteries of a healthy mind, body, and spirit, to boldly go where two very different but genetically similar minds probably shouldn't go. So grab a seat in the back of Sarah's minivan and come along for the ride. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the Jacked on the Beanstalk podcast. I really do feel like we need to shorten that intro as much as I do love it. And I know that's all we talked about in the first episode, but I don't know. What do you think, Sarah? Is it too long? Do people really give a crap about your uh, brownies or our asses? Absolutely. It's all about brownies and ass. <laughs> Seriously, though, leave the friggin' intro alone. It's it's perfect. A wise man once said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So stop dissecting everything. Fair enough. Yes, I do realize that we spent the entire first episode dissecting that intro. I guess it could be worse. At least it's not a painful advertisement for bookkeeping software or a mattress company. Uh, that being said, if any mattress or bookkeeping software company wants to advertise with us, I will gladly promote <laughs> promote that shit. Anyways, I guess my motto when it comes to anything I post is just get the damn content out there and stop scrutinizing and analyzing every little tiny detail. Seriously, if I run my business obsessing over or perfecting every single blog post or podcast episode or Instagram photo that I share, I would literally never share anything. And it's funny because I do genuinely try to share useful content and everyone does always bug me about how OCD I am when it comes to my social media shares. And yeah, I fully admit, I do spend quite a bit of time proofreading every blog post or editing my little Instagram photo collages. It's because I want to share good information, quality info, stuff that my followers actually feel like they're getting some kind of value out of. Why the hell else are they following me? To be a shorky is to analyze everything to death. Yeah, totally. I know that the people who like me and want to see and hear what I'm all about probably don't give two shits about the length of my podcast intro. I guess I'm just comparing our podcast intro to other podcasts and theirs are always shorter and they just seem more concise or something. I totally preach that we shouldn't compare to ourselves to others in the first episode. So <laughs> apparently I don't practice what I preach. But in all seriousness, uh, something I've learned over time that's taken me a long time to learn and something I still struggle with on a daily basis is learning how to stop trying to be perfect. And that means uh, everything I do, say, and of course, how I look. So today's podcast episode is all about perfectionism and how we got to get out of this perfectionist mindset that is essentially ruining our progress and our overall well-being. For me, I'd say my perfectionist tendencies tend to relate mostly to my health and physical appearance, although I definitely see it trickle down into my work as well. And I want to discuss with you, Sarah, because uh, we often joke that you're an OCD perfectionist, but on a totally different level than mine. Interesting. 
interestingly enough, Sarah is mildly psychotic when it comes to the organization of her home (laughs) and how clean her house has to be. Sarah likes to keep everything in perfect order and even gets off on organizing things, I'd say. Guilty as charged. I'd say you get pretty anxious and worked up if you feel disorganized in any way. Would you say that's a fair assessment? I'm not going to deny that, uh, but it might be a little bit of a stretch. I do have two kids, so my house is far from immaculate. I kind of often wonder what my surroundings would be like if I was some crazy, lonely old spinster. I think it's important to note that maybe for you, it's not actually about having a perfect, clean house. What we're actually describing is your need to be organized. There is no other way. (laughs) And and this is actually going to be a topic of discussion in our next podcast episode, which is all about minimalism. So stay tuned for that gem. But I think it's important for us to clarify that organization isn't necessarily about perfection in the home. It's more about efficiency, reducing clutter, which will hopefully help you to reduce stress and, of course, save you time and money in the long run and improving your overall quality of life. But again, check out episode three of the Jacked on the Beatstock podcast, where we will delve into the world of reducing mental and physical clutter. I appreciate you trying to make me sound sane and healthy, uh, but I am a perfectionist as well as a giant nerd. Yes. Let's get into it. For this episode, I really want to focus on the unhealthy pursuit of perfection in relation to our physical bodies and the perfect images we try to convey to the rest of the world. So we all know the phrase, no one is perfect, and we all know it to even be true. We know that we're born to make mistakes and to be imperfect, yet thanks to the wonderful world of advertising and more recent years social media, we are constantly bombarded with a never-ending barrage of inhuman, impossible perfection. Be it the photoshopped supermodels in magazines or the glamorous lifestyles of plastic surgery-enhanced Instagram stars. I fully admit it's hard to appreciate our own satisfactory bodies and average lives amidst it all. Oh, and be sure to listen to episode one of the podcast, by the way, where I give some tips on how to stop comparing ourselves to other people. The Coles Notes version, however, and this is speaking from personal experience, is that comparing our own lives to the success and seemingly perfect life of someone else, as harmless as it may seem to be, it really only leads to unhappiness, jealousy, and envy. So instead, we gotta focus on what brings joy into our lives and what things make us feel proud and what type of work we can do that makes us feel content and a sense of accomplishment. And in case anyone is wondering, the whole reason I launched this podcast in the first place is because I wanted to learn how to get my own mental script working for me and not against me. Because I knew that if I did all this mental work and personal development and this healing on myself, I could share what I learned with my clients and my followers and hopefully help them to to learn how to silence their own inner critic. For anyone who follows my blog, a few months ago, I did pour my heart and soul into a post titled The Unhealthy Pursuit of Perfection, and I strongly encourage anyone uh, who's ever felt pressured to look or act a certain way in order to keep or attract a romantic relationship to uh, check that one out. 
the Coles Notes version of that one is basically I dated a guy, uh, this rich and charming international businessman for a while who wanted to mold me into this perfect trophy girlfriend. And it's a juicy one. So check that one out for sure. Today's podcast. And I really want to focus on perfectionism and how it relates to a negative body image. So let's get to it, shall we? Physical perfection. We all know I've done my fair share of physique competitions and have been working in the fitness industry for uh, five years now. And even though I haven't competed since 2015, I often find myself drifting back into that intense diet and exercise restriction mode. It really is a slippery slope for me, and I know it is for many women and men out there. But what I mean is that I regularly fantasize about how nice it would be to live a so-called normal life when I'm choking down asparagus and tofu. <laughs> I dream about my old life of non-stop social outings or I'll fantasize, um, imagining how nice it would be to spend the day binging on Netflix and a bag of double-stuffed Oreos or ketchup chips. Ketchup? Seriously? That's your fantasy gorge? Wow, you're officially more Canadian than I am. <laughs> yeah, did you know they don't even have ketchup chips in the States? If we have any American listeners on this episode, there's a good chance they are not lucky enough to eat these delicacies. I don't know, it might be a blessing in disguise for them. Although I've got a sweet tooth, I do enjoy the ketchup chips for well, sure. Apparently, as far as Sam's concerned, it's worth the trip across the border. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you guys might have Beyond Meat in America, but we got ketchup chip. Off topic again. Whatever the so-called normal is that I'm seeking, just a less structured lifestyle that I'm envisioning, but it really becomes hard for me to not experience guilt if I have crushed a, an entire bag of ketchup chips. And here's another common side effect. I used to try to make up for my bouts of gluttony and or my laziness with over-exercising or majorly restrictive dieting the next day instead of just accepting my choices, accepting the way my body is looking and feeling, just being thankful to the gluttony for being there for me at that moment in time. Because in a way, it was kind of helping me. Whatever I I was going through, whether I just needed some downtime, the binge or the hog fest was doing something to help me in a sense. We always got to be so overly critical of ourselves and beat ourselves up every time we make a mistake. And I see this all the time in my clients. We try so hard to be perfect with our diet and perfect with our training. We want to be the perfect employee, the perfect spouse, the perfect friend, the neighbor with the perfect lawn. Some people think that getting fake boobs and losing 20 pounds will get them there. And in fact, I remember I had a client once tell me an awesome quote from her plastic surgeon. He apparently told her, you know, I can fix every single thing on your face and body, but I can't fix your head. That's a good one, right? I think it's this lack of self-confidence that is a huge factor in this never-ending quest for perfection. Hey, building confidence, it ain't easy. So instead, what I often coach my clients on is a good place to start is instead learning to be courageous. Instead, finding the courage to let the world see the real us and be authentic and do some of the things that scare the living shit out of you. And in my experience, that is when confidence will start to show up. Confidence actually comes from making mistakes and then learning from them. 
It comes from failing over and over and over until you eventually do succeed. Believe me, I know, again, that it does not come naturally. You know what does come naturally? Fear. We're all afraid. I'm always terrified when I embark on something new and I pursue a goal or a project with an unknown outcome. If you're able to find the courage to really face and feel that fear and not let it stop you from doing that thing or pursuing that goal, that, my friends, is when you do gain confidence. You know what? I was actually really nervous the first time I ever trained somebody in person. And I was equally nervous the first time I ever taught my weekly cardio class. I was beyond terrified the time I boarded a plane from Vancouver to Australia a few years ago to work on a cruise ship for six months as a karaoke host. Oh, God, the whole family was terrified. I was pretty much shitting bricks the first time I had to actually host that karaoke or just a couple years ago when I had to do my first 20 minute speaking gig at a vegan and vegetarian expo. And I'm not going to lie and say that my fear completely goes away even after repeatedly doing these things. You know, speaking in front of a large audience is never easy. It's always nerve wracking, but it's also a huge adrenaline rush. And sure enough, with a new speaking gig under my belt every year and seeing and hearing that people are actually getting value and insight from my talks, I just allow that fear to be there. And I kind of embrace it as a new, exciting opportunity to face those fears. I let the fear be there. And then eventually, I begin to feel confident in my abilities. I'm speaking at VegFest in Ottawa on June 3rd for 45 frigging minutes. Woohoo! <laughs> Very exciting. Um, but I'm sharing this plug because that is a long frigging time to be jabbering on and on about vegan bodybuilding. Nevertheless, bring it on us, eh? If I can talk for 20 minutes and do a kick-ass job, why shouldn't I be able to talk for double that time? Or at the very least, use the extra time to live out my childhood dream of becoming a stand-up comedian. Or maybe just flex for a solid 15 minutes. Mm. Yeah, now that I think about it. 45 minutes? We better get on that presentation, Sarah. What do you mean, we? Well, you are my assistant, are you not? <laughs> yeah, like the time you tried to get me to sell your clothes on Kijiji. <laughs> well, what am I paying you for? Yeah, exactly. What does that have to do with Jacked on the Beanstalk? Anyone? Yeah, whatever. Anyways, what I've learned is that if you let your fear tell you what to do, you won't get to a place that you want to be in life. You gotta do those things before you're confident. When you're scared shitless, when you're ridden with anxiety, when you think about doing that thing and then do it again and again and again and again and I'm repeating myself, but the cool thing that happens that I'm really trying to convey is that you build confidence in the process. Am I derailing off topic completely here? No, I don't think so. I've heard all kinds of musicians or stage actors, they always say that no matter how experienced they are, every time they get on stage, they always have butterflies. And I've even heard some of them say, if you reach a day where you do not feel that way, then you know it's time to, to pack it in. To ch and to challenge yourself with something new, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think for all of our listeners, the next time you think you aren't perfect enough to rock a skimpy two-piece bikini or not fit enough to ask out your babely gym crush, I'm telling you, embrace that fear and accept that you will never be perfect 
but you're not going to let that stop you from having the life you want and deserve. And I think it's important that we touch on the difference between striving for excellence versus striving for perfection. And it's worth mentioning that we recognize that the pursuit of excellence can be very gratifying and healthy. The pursuit of perfection, however, is not only unhealthy, unobtainable, and frustrating, but it can also be really obsessive and a huge waste of time and brain power. So let's say that two of my clients both want to lose weight and change their body composition. Let's say one of these girls is prepping for a bikini fitness competition and she's not unhappy with her body, but she's determined to win first place and have the best body on stage and she's prepared to do whatever it takes to win the competition and be the leanest, prettiest, most defined biatch up there. The other client, let's say she's not happy with her current body and her lifestyle and she also wants to lose some weight but she wants to learn healthier habits as well so that she can feel better about herself and learn how to properly eat and exercise to benefit her overall health yada 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 and apply what she's learned to create um, a healthier permanent lifestyle the end goal for both ladies is a complete body composition makeover but one sounds a lot more attached to the outcome versus the actual process. My first lesson for both clients would be to, and this is a big one, detach from the outcome. You want to lose 20 pounds in 10 weeks? Sure, it might be possible. And of course, I want you to believe it's possible. And I want you to do everything every day that I've suggested on the plans I wrote for you to bring forth your tightest, healthiest, most fit self. But when you want something, you need to detach from that outcome. You got to focus on the process. And whether it's my competition client or the client who's just wanting to get healthier, I coach them on staying in the present moment and focusing on those day-to-day processes in order to achieve that goal. Things like making sure you're not skipping meals, making sure your meals are all prepped and with you throughout the day so that you're not forced to eat something from a vending machine. It means going to the grocery store and buying all the healthy foods you need for the week and setting aside time each week to cut up veggies and boil some sweet potatoes or marinate some tofu. Another way to explain a pursuer of excellence versus the perfection pursuer is that those who strive for excellence and progress tend to focus more on performance-based goals rather than achievement-based goals. And by that, I mean they make an effort to eat better rather than swearing off all baked goods and processed foods for the rest of their lives. Performance-based goal is thereby more achievable because it's always easier to add in a new behavior rather than to stop an existing behavior. So setting an outcome-oriented goal, as in stopping a behavior completely, is obviously more likely to lead to failure because you now feel deprived. And as I see in my clients all the time, it leads them to throwing in the towel on achieving their goals altogether. One of my fave quotes, and I have no idea who said it or where it came from, but it's, The more I focus on what I don't have, the less I focus on what I do have. My mind is blown. (laughs) So what I'm saying is instead of trying to be perfect with your diet and your workouts, strive for progress. And we can do that by focusing on adding instead of subtracting 
and gaining instead of losing. So we can add healthy foods to our diet instead of taking the unhealthy ones away. We can focus on gaining strength, gaining health instead of losing pounds and losing inches. We can add positive behaviors instead of subtracting negative behaviors away, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's pretty cool how the positive behaviors and thoughts do eventually crowd out the negative ones. And trust me, guys, it is so much more enjoyable to feed yourself healthy foods and actions and loving thoughts rather than punishing yourself, criticizing yourself and restricting yourself. We were born to be real, not perfect. This is some good shit, Sammy. Yeah, I I was feeling this. So yeah, I I guess what I'm trying to say is pretending to be the person you think society wants you to be or look like is stressful and it's kind of lame and boring. And when you realize that perfection is just an illusion, that it's a moving target that we're never going to hit no matter how much we invest into it or try to master it. And what I've noticed in some of my friends who are just so obsessed with their appearances and they Botox and plastic surgery the hell out of themselves is that the people who never stop seeking perfection are actually the ones who end up living the most unfulfilled lives of of all. But when we just keep it real and we be true to ourselves, that is beautiful and sexy. Aren't I so sweet today? A single tear is running down my cheek. (laughs) The entire concept of physical perfection... It can't really even be defined, to be honest, because we all have different opinions of what constitutes as beautiful or perfect. So I found a beautiful quote by the iconic Audrey Hepburn that I think drives my point home quite nicely. And she said, for attractive lips, speak words of kindness for lovely eyes, seek out the good in people. For a slim figure, share your food with the hungry. For beautiful hair, let a child run his or her fingers. (laughs) Okay. All right. I have to stop. This is just too much. Anyway. I threw up in my mouth a little bit. (laughs) Your homework for this week to my lovely audience out there. Ooh, nice. Did you come up with that on your own? No, I ripped it off of another podcast. (laughs) Darn. So your homework for this week is to answer the following question. And really think about this. It's, it's a, a cheesy one, but it does have a good exercise behind it, I think. What makes you smile in such a way that it attracts people to be in your presence? What makes you smile in such a way that it attracts people to want to be in your presence? Please tweet me your response. My Twitter handle is at Samantha Shorky, or you can tag me in an Instagram post where my handle is at Sam Shorky, or you can just write down the answer to that question and email it to me, or don't share it with me at all. I read it to yourself every day. For me, it makes me smile to know that people put their trust in me. I believe people are attracted to me because because they can recognize that I'm genuinely authentic and I'm real and I tell it how it is and what you see is what you get. And even if I've got my own insecurities, just like everybody else, I carry myself with grace and elegance. I think so anyway. Oh, and I have really good posture. 
But yeah, it makes me smile <laughs> to know uh, that I'm able to make other people laugh and feel loved and appreciated and people feel comfortable around me. I have horrible posture, by the way. It's all about that weight training, guys. Lower back, hit those hyperextensions. Uh, Sarah, your turn. What is your definition of true beauty and what makes you smile in a way that attracts other people to you? I'm going to answer the first half of that question because the uh, what makes you smile in a way that attracts people to you. I struggled with that one. I would have to say it's my sunny disposition. Most people describe me as a ray of sunshine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nobody describes me as a ray of sunshine. Um, (laughs) But I think my definition of true beauty is just being real. That's probably my best quality. And and people tend to tell me that because I just feel like I truly know who I am. I know what my strengths are, my weaknesses, and I don't pretend to be anything I'm not. Which goes back to our intro, right? Where why weren't you insulted that we call your ass mediocre? And why did we think it's funny? Because it doesn't bother you because you're a confident person, right? Yeah, true, true. Well, you know what? Actually, Erin uh, here, our producer, she's been my best friend for 20 years. Erin, Erin, how did I suck you in? What makes you smile when you think of me? <laughs> I don't know if this is a good story, though, to fit in with this. Honestly, it was when I saw you in a fit of rage. <laughs> okay, cut, cut, cut. Oh. Uh, outside of high school after I guess our guidance counselor had offered some guidance that you disagreed with but I think what was actually compelling was probably that you were passionately sure that he was wrong which I think comes back to knowing yourself Mm -hmm. and knowing what you want to do so I think I think it was seeing that confidence or passion Oh, that's a good answer. Yeah, nice one, Aaron. Well, I think we can wrap up this episode and I hope it was helpful to any listeners out there. But yeah, big thanks to our vegan pal, Aaron Flynn and CHUO Radio for letting us record today's podcast in-house here. And I'll let Sarah tell you what relevant song we are going to sing this week to end the episode. Oh, but first I want to end with another great quote. I don't know why I'm breaking out the quote so much, but uh, this will no doubt inspire you far more than whatever song we're about to sing. Oh, I can guarantee that one. Oh, great. Can't wait to hear what it is. I'm probably butchering the author's name, but it's Rabindranath <laughs> Tagore. <laughs> That's, that sounds brutal. Brutalized. Yeah. And the quote is, beauty is truth's smile when she beholds her own face in a perfect mirror. Anyways, we're all made of flaws, guys, but hopefully you, like me, are stitched together with good intentions. Ooh, that's a nice one. (laughs) All right, enough cheese for for one one episode. Sarah, what have we got for a song today? Uh, Yeah, we're actually not done with the cheese, for the record. You made a point of saying relevant song. This song is not really relevant at all. I have a feeling the task of these songs might be the bane of my existence. I really, really struggled with this one. So I apologize in advance to everyone. The lack of relevance and the horribleness of what's about to happen. We are singing I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. (laughs) That's right. What does that have to do with with perfectionism? I don't know. He thinks he's perfect. Well, it's a great song. So all right, let's do it. 
I'm kind of glad we're singing this song because it brings me back to my days of karaoke on the cruise ship. That was the relevance. I was trying to bring it all back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good uh-huh. one. All yeah. right. Yeah. Let's do it. You're starting. Oh. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. And I'm too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan. New York and Japan. And I'm too sexy for your party. Too sexy for your party. No way I'm disco dancing. I'm a model. You know what I mean. And I do my little turn on the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk. On the catwalk, yeah, I shake my little tush on the catwalk. <laughs> and, right. and we're actually both wearing fishnet shirts right now, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was painful. I'm really sorry, everybody. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode. And please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes if you haven't already. That's Jacked on the Beanstalk in iTunes, live and ready for you to love.